Hello and welcome. I'm AJ. I'm Alex. And this is NTVN New Tech Vintage Nerds. Today we're going to talk about Wi-Fi and perhaps something about Turing Pi 2. Not sure what it is, but we're going to find out. It's not That's, a pie. It's not a pie. It's not pie. Well, now I'm really curious. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> Before we dive into the topics of today, I'm curious, what did you print since last week? That is not a nice subject. <laughs> well, my prints failed miserably. I'm happy to say that I ruined one of my build plates. So, uh, actually, <laughs> I did have some success. Alex is looking right now for the people listening. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I was just getting, uh, for anyone who's watching, not listening. Um, it's a podcast, you can, right? You can see now what I printed. Yeah, I can't recognize. Ah, okay. So um, this is actually um, a, a shelf support, if you can see it properly, uh, with Honeycomb integrated, which oh. actually turned out quite okay. And then I... Um, Printed also a um, an insert for the honeycomb with um, a pliers. Um, well, I don't know what you call it, pliers hook, I guess, where you can uh, uh, hang pliers upon. Um, so, um, and this actually <laughs> went quite well. Oh, nice! So, um, yeah, it works. I did have to print a, a special attachment to for it because before I. <laughs> Destructed. No, there we go. Um, so you do need that that little insert here. Oh yeah. And there's something you need to print separately. Um, because I was looking at at this uh, uh, rig and I was like, okay, so this doesn't fit. fit. Why, why does that not fit? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it turned out you had to actually print that that little insert there, and then you can just stick them together like that, and it works. Oh, pretty good. Nice, nice. Yeah. So I'm uh, pretty happy with that. Um, then again, um, I also um, designed a um, a little wall mount for my brand new homie today. Brand new homie. Oh, shiny. Shiny, very shiny, yes. Um, uh, for those who are listening or watching, um, it's a, a black piano lacquer. Um, so um, quite nice, but it's uh, flat like a hockey puck. Um, the previous homie was actually uh, uh, a little ball. Hmm. So um, the old mount logically won't fit. Um, so I created a new one. Um, I was just fiddling around in uh, in Tinkercad because uh, Fusion 360, I'm still getting used to that. I'm, I'm not a very good 3D designer. So that, that usually takes ages before I get all the functions and, 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 uh, and forms right. Yeah. Um, and in Tinkercad, it's like plop, 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 compose clip, ready. Um, yeah. But um, my printer apparently has an issue with um, the only spool of white I had left, which was a PETG material. And the PETG um, basically just cooked itself on the build plate. So oh, that's not good. I, I literally canceled the, the print a couple of minutes ago and... and I think, um, well, I, I don't need a new printer. I do need a new printer, but uh, yeah. 
I think I'll uh, order a spool of PLA white and and just print it in there instead of um, doing this because bleh. my prints were just as good and just as bad as yours. Uh, I printed something from the previous episode, like uh, actually the whole Gradfinity stuff and the the honeycomb wall mount. Uh, that was going great as well as the WLED enclosure. So. Oh, nice. Finally, no more on the floor, but in a nice box. I can't show it because it's behind me. Um, but then I started printing with the honeycomb system, and my printer thought it would be a good idea to mess up the Z-axis. So I got a pretty pretty scratched-up Creality build plate right now. It's that one, oh. that magnetic one. So it's... Uh, that well, sucks. Yeah. Um, so that was, uh, was a bit, uh, disappointing, but then again, now it's printing, uh, another one of those, um, uh, honeycomb wall mounts. So I believe if I'm hearing it correctly, that it's still going good. It didn't scratch okay. anything. It's not screwing so. it up. <laughs> no, not again. All right. No. All, right, all right. All right. All right. So l just like you, I really need a new printer, but that's something yeah. that the the manager hasn't approved yet. Oh, same here. Yeah. Um, I, I'm actually uh, uh, I'm I'm looking at uh, uh, the P1P from Bamboo Labs. Um, this is actually the one I uh, the, the, the the enclosed one, so yep. not the open one. Um, this this is I think the one I want to get together with the the um, the what's it called A AMS the full for. Yeah, the Filament spools. I'm pointing in the, the automatic air. management um, for for spools. That that one, yeah. yeah. Um, but um, it's about the grand. Uh, yep. And uh, first of all, I find that quite quite a lot of quite a lot of money. Um, yep. And second, um, well, we've got some other priorities right now. So, um, for instance, I'll be painting this weekend. <laughs> great, great. <laughs> Yeah, you know, stuff in the, in the house that also needs to be done. So, um, yeah, that, it comes with the territory. Yeah, exactly. So no home automation for you this weekend. So I, I was going to ask, what did you do around home automation? But well, yeah. uh, uh, this, this bad boy needs to go to work. Oh, so next uh, to painting, you're going to do stuff like that. Pointing at my new homie for those who listen. Um, I actually have to migrate from the old to the new. Um <laughs> I had some performance issues and a couple of apps that keep uh, kept on crashing. Um, uh, so I asked the Atom guys because I was a bit afraid that there was a problem under the hood, not so much of the apps because it was specific apps that were crashing. And I do not want to migrate shit from one homie to the next. Hmm. So um, I created a spot request with the guys from Atom asking them uh, because there is no way of looking under the hood. Um, can you have a look and see what's going on? Because I can send you a diagnose code uh, or send those guys a diagnose code. They can open it and see the actual processes inside of Homey, see the actual logs inside of the Homey and mm. um, uh, troubleshoot from there. And the guy came back to me and said, you know what your problem is? You've loaded it to full. <laughs> How strange. <laughs> <laughs> you ran out of memory, my friend. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, so what happens if I migrate this? 
Well, he said, if you migrate it to a 2023 homie, you'll probably be, be good because that thing has twice the amount of memory. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good argument to buy a new one. Yep. Boom, there it is. Nice. <laughs> so next to painting, a bit of migration. Um, I hope so. If it, if it, uh, I will definitely prepare for this properly uh, because I have no desire of uh, re-registering any of the over 200 devices that are in there. So yeah. uh, that's no fun. That no. Um, so I'm, I'm, I will be preparing that very, very uh, carefully and um, and look at that. Uh, there is no room for for no margin for error. Well, the thing I want to do, and I looked in it uh, last week. Uh, I I have a Luxon, Luxon. Not sure how you pronounce it. Waxon, um, Waxoff. No, 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 no. It's not karate kid. No, it's uh, Luxon is a, a, a smart home system uh, that you can put on a DIN rail in your utility rack. Um, and it's got all kinds of relays and sensors. And it's more like a PLC programmable logic computer than uh, than a homey or a home assistant uh, system. It's, it's more binary, more low level, uh, so to say. Um, I do have one in my utility closet um, and to be able to connect it to all other kinds of stuff, I use Luxberry and Luxberry is an open source project that integrates all kinds of different systems into the Luxone system because Luxone has, has switches, sensors that you can put in a wall and it's real commercial grade um, uh, home automation systems like uh, KNX, for example. Right. So Luxberry is a real nice system that that gives more functionality to the Luxone. Um, but I haven't done anything with it for the last three years, I believe, uh, since I started with Home Assistant. So, um, well, and I think I need to upgrade my Luxone system itself, and uh, as well as the software, since it's only run on Windows. Shame on you. Um, so that that's going to be an interesting weekend. All right. If it still works. It's got a SD card in it, so it's it's not the... Well, I do have Upgrade. my opinion about it. Upgrading firmwares, maybe, and... Uh... Yep. <laughs> L- luckily, there are no important systems connected to it. Uh, like uh, none. It's just in my utility closet. Okay, so you can't <laughs> break anything. No, just a thing, but that's okay. Oh, right, but no angry... No no angry spouse or whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. So with that out of the way, let's get to our topics. Why? Oh, we have topics today. Yeah, we, we do have topics. Oh, there we go. Uh, I believe that those are very interesting topics because you're, they're your topics. Really? No, ju- just kidding. Um, now, we, we talked about Wi-Fi uh, a couple of times already uh, past week. So, and just said, well, I want to talk about Wi-Fi. What do you want to talk about? Can you explain yeah, you the role of Wi-Fi about? in your home automation system, for example? Well, uh, go ahead. Can you explain the role of Wi-Fi in your home automation system? Yes, I can, because without Wi-Fi... 
a lot of things stop. I mean, I, I do have a preference for wired connections, but um, a lot of them uh, work uh, by Wi-Fi or by another wireless protocol. So if my Wi-Fi connection stops, um, my spouse cannot uh, turn anything on and off uh, without, uh, sorry, with, with the exception of all things that go automatically. But if she says, I want to watch TV now, it's, it's by wireless, by, uh, by a display, by, a, by an iPad. So if our Wi-Fi goes uh, legs up, so to say, it's, um, it's a bit, bit of a problem. All right. So, so there's what, that. How how do you cope with that? How do you make sure your Wi-Fi keeps up? Um, I don't. I buy a good brand. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and and what brand would that be? Well, I'm I'm not gonna uh, make any commercial activities, but um, the the I use like somebody else in this talk uh, uses the uh, ubiquity. Uh, um, systems, uh, the, the Unify access points and switches. And the main reason is it's, it just works. It's simple. Uh, set it and forget it. Yeah. Um, and I, I hear Paul Hibbert again. It just works. <laughs> yeah, but it is true. It's true. Um, so I, I do like a command line. No, what I do find about Unify, um, I do not like their routers. Mm -hmm. So the the whole dream machine, they are too restrictive for me. Um, you do crazy things with your routing. Well, not really, but uh, um, I do have t uh, two internet connections um, because like I, I work from. Because <laughs> I work from home. All of most of the time, and I cannot uh, allow uh, that I cannot work because one of my internet providers decides to do something silly. Yeah. So I have two different internet connections with uh, through two different media. One is cable, one is uh, fiber optics. Um, I could add a third, but I don't think my wife would approve. Mm, um, we could not. do. We could do Starlink here as well. And uh, I'm told uh, by someone uh, in the neighborhood who tried it, uh, you will get about, well, around about three to 400 Mbit up. Oh, so nice. that's not bad, but um, the investment is, is pretty fierce. So no. But um, what I love about Unify are their access points. They are incredible. What I... Um, how do I put this mildly? What I tolerate is their switching <laughs> because it's not the best. They have a very, very strange approach to layer three switching, um, which I to today do not understand. That's one. And uh, I had a um, uh, um, an HP switching uh, configuration before I switched to Unify and that configuration was a lot quicker mm. in terms of latency. Um, but it's easy. Yeah. And that is, uh, that is a, a big part of the cake. 
creating a VLAN is is uh, uh, clickety click in in a, in a UI and uh, uh, boom there it is. Yeah, and that is amazing. So many network vendors could learn from that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, although I really like my command lines, so when I do something with containers, I want to see it, and I don't want to use something like Portainer, a, a software for managing containers. Um, and I find that for the Unify system, it's I can do something on a command line, but if I, if I want that it persists, it's it's hard. Uh, then I got to write it to yeah. JSON files, and, and it works or it doesn't. Problem. Yeah, and th that's something think, that's, yeah. that other brands do better, I think. Or my lack of skills might. I don't know. It, it's uh, I quite like the idea. So, so first of all, I agree with you when it comes to doing doing a Docker on command line or anything. Um, I'd like to just have full control there, but the advantage is that I know my way around Linux, yeah. and that helps. I am not a networking guy, so for me, if I can do clickety click in a in a UI and then I have a VLAN and I don't have to worry about the VLAN being propagated through all my switches um, and automatically being added to the routing group, so it is being transported across. Uh, the whole of net, the whole of the network, et cetera, et cetera. Then I'm very happy. You mm. know, I've, uh, I've I've done networking in the past with Cisco, and you have to configure each and every individual street. I don't think you have to do that anymore. But um, it's it's a different beast, and uh, uh, frankly, it never it never tickled my fancy, and I never I never got around to really getting interested in it. Um, so I find yeah. this v acceptable for the fact that it doesn't perform to the max of the spec. Yeah. Now, what what, what do you have all connected to, to your Wi-Fi? I mean, like, like I said, I try to do everything wired if I can. So my computer is wired, my NAS is wired, obviously, I would say. Um, According to my um, Grafana dashboard, I currently have 47 clients in my Wi-Fi network. 47. Nice. Yep. And 76 wired. Whoa. I was just going to say, I also have that, but those were included, the wired. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that is uh, a bit more. Uh, yes. <laughs> So in, in your cameras, uh, I I know that you're using cameras. Are those wired as well, or uh, half of them? The other half is Wi-Fi. Okay. In, in a lockdown VLAN. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the VLAN is wired and being propagated to the wireless network as well. So the cameras are all in the same protect VLAN, which is close down nice so you i'm not sure if you already talked about it in other episodes but you have got a couple of uh, wildlife cameras like you see squirrels and stuff like that yeah instead of the birds that are in the houses but 
Um, and that's just a strange bird. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you connect them then? I mean, it's it, it's a pretty large um, garden for Wi-Fi. Yeah. So what I did, and um, I have to admit that it used to be more stable than it currently is with the current firmware. Um, but um, I have two outside access points. One is attached to the wired network at my house. And the other one is in the back of my garden um, mm -hmm. being powered by just uh, 220 volts. And um, there is a PoE switch over there. They, if you are familiar with the Ubiquiti um, uh, ecosystem, this is a, a flex switch. And the flex switch is powered by PoE, but this is a separate uh, PoE injector. Mm -hmm. um, so the flex switch actually powers the three PoE devices that are attached to it. Uh, okay. One being the access point and the other two being two old um, Unify uh, G3 cameras. And those cameras are actually, um, oh, <laughs> I painted them in, in camo colors. <laughs> and uh, they are hidden inside of the bushes in the back back part of the garden yeah. so um, we see all kinds of wildlife crawl by walk by fly by yeah it's uh it's well i, I do i enjoy watching it and um it's it's fun to see what what comes around in the garden every day yeah so your wi-fi goes to a access point in the back of the garden then it and goes the to the switch point, and then to the cameras. The access point is a bridge to the outside access point attached to the house. And um, so this is a wireless bridge. And then the cameras um, mount themselves uh, to the uh, network video recorder. Interesting. I just, uh, I'm going to do something, no, well, not similar, like wired. I still have to find somebody that wants to crawl under my floor uh, crawl space to connect the fiber optic cable to my to the end of my garden. Um, but then there will be a switch with access points and like the cameras. It's it's now um, well they work, but they can do better. Just like the the sound system in my. Uh, shed slash workspace it does have internet but from time to time it it fails or it rebuffers and then i i see something from a couple of minutes ago or i see nothing at all so i do want to fix that but it's going to be wired perhaps i should title myself the wired guy but the wired yeah. guy yeah so i can for those who do have uh uh the uh the screen and see what uh, what uh, what we're actually up to oh you're gonna share your screen very quick view of the the latter part so you have the the access point in the garden which is to the left so this one is actually what connect connected wirelessly uh wired sorry yeah um and um so from there, you can see there's one wireless camera connected to it. And then you have the uh, the access point cam switch over here. So And this is the wireless bridge. So these two are mm. the bridge. 
Um, this is actually fairly easy to configure. You just configure the outside uh, wired access point and try to find the frequency that is least obstructive. And then you go and connect the other um, the other access point you want to use as a um, as a client. Mm. You switch all the channels to automatic, um, and then you select the uh, the uh, wired access point as a mesh uplink. And then they will match um, the configuration, as you can see. This one is configured to channel 1 and 48. And this one is also configured to channel 1 and 48, as you can see. Yeah. Um, and then it just uh, creates the connection for the, the cameras that are in the background. And you can ignore the name here because that's, uh, that's yeah, where yeah. it used to be. But it's, well, anyway. It's not wording. Uh, and for some reason, it dropped uh, dropped the other camera, but there are actually two cameras here. So, um, and if you just have a quick look here, you can see that this is the actual uplink. So this is the access point providing the um, the uplink connection, and then we have the two cameras that are attached here, and they all run on PoE. Yeah. So no, no more power, just the power insertion into the switch. And the no, camera so the automatically get that power. Exactly. So the first port is actually um, used for the PoE powering of the switch. So in theory, if I would use a, um, a power over Ethernet enabled switch to power this switch, this would also be the uplink and I would have an extra port um, I can assign to then again. And that's, this is the disadvantage, obviously, I would have to have a wired link in the back of my garden, which I do not have. Yeah. And second, the power budget is limited to uh, what a single link can provide. Mm. And right now, the power budget is basically uh, limited to the um, uh, the power supply that is it attached to, to the switch. And this is a ubiquity... Uh, um, specified power supply i think it can do up to 50 watts or something so mm -hmm. um these three boys can actually uh, uh draw quite a quite a bit of power nice nice so pretty, go. pretty good all right and now how do you do uh, i mean uh, i know what i did for my guest wi-fi because when a guest comes here, they obviously want Wi-Fi. I tried to tell them, bring your own Wi-Fi, but that didn't go over well. Um, so what I did was create a guest network and I put a QR code on my uh, smart mirror that they can scan and then they um, they are on my Wi-Fi, but on a separate uh, guest network. I, I configured a specific access point for that. Sorry. Uh, uh, What's VLAN. it called? Sorry? VLAN. Yeah, um, and a separate VLAN, but also a separate uh, name for it. Oh, okay. So it's obviously, it's the rest of the world. So it's the internet. And uh, I named it before like the um, the drain or the sink to make it, to make it very obvious. I'm not going to know what's on it and... Perhaps you shouldn't want to know either, but if you want internet, you got it. But I know you did something else with your Wi-Fi. 
Um, yes, I'm using uh, what is called PPSK. Um, and that allows you to um, actually just transmit one SSID um, and based on the password that you enter, you will end up in different VLANs. So uh, if you enter the guest network password, you will end up in the guest network. So I created a QR code which you can scan. But basically everyone is being dropped into the same uh, SSID just mm -hmm. After you lock into the SSID, you are then uh, being transmitted or transported to a, uh, a closed-down VLAN, which just has internet access and nothing else. Oh, okay, so the same SSID, but just different passwords. Yeah, there are some some uh, uh, pros and cons to PPSK. So the pro, obviously, is you just have to transmit one SSID. And I currently have, I think, four or five different VLANs attached to that. So I have, uh, well, the the Protect network has its own uh, password there. The guest network, there is the, the standard network that, that we just use in the home. There's also an IoT network. There is a no internet network uh, mm -hmm. next to the, the, the Protect network, which also has no internet, but just hosts the cams. Um, and actually, I'm also planning to add a... Uh, work network to that to separate all the work devices from our home devices. Okay. That's pretty strict uh, on the Wi-Fi. Uh, well, it's pretty strict on the network in general. Nice. So when and a guest comes into your house, you just say, well, use this password or scan this thing and then yeah, there is a uh, there is a Wi-Fi sign uh, in uh, outside on my terrace, and it will uh, this year it will have a, a 3D printed uh, QR code below that, and you could you just scan the QR code, and then boom, you're on Wi-Fi. Oh, cool! Nice. I want to test that. You're happy to try. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Probably the Turing Pi 2, like it wasn't a Pi, also has Wi-Fi? Nope. Nope. No Wi-Fi? Nope. nope. Okay. It's 100% wired. So, w what is it? Um, what is it? Well, actually, it was a Kickstarter project, and they uh, had a, a project before, which was called the Turing Pi, and the idea behind Turing Pi was that you can create a cluster of Raspberry Pis, mm -hmm. obviously, uh, specifically the compute modules, um, and just plug. And I think they had a board with eight, wow. uh, eight Raspberry Pis in it with a single uh, power supply and a single network uplink connection. And I'm not really sure what the other features were that the uh, the version one of the Turing Pi had, but um, anyway, the Turing Pi two was a Kickstarter project, um, so crowdfunded, um, and I was one of the uh, people who, uh, who participated in the crowdfunding. It is a bit smaller than the Turing Pi one. It has four slots, not eight, mm -hmm. meaning that it's um, a bit more affordable. I think I uh, paid the well, I paid the the Kickstarter price, obviously, but I think it's currently around two two seventy something. 
Yeah, something like that. Um, it has four um, slots that look like look a bit like like memory slots, but um, they are meant to actually insert the uh, uh, the compute modules into. They have specific um, adapter cards for um, uh, the the uh, Raspberry Pi compute modules. I'm saying mm-hmm. a lot of us. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> There you go again. So the general idea is you have a single board. You could plug in all the compute modules. You have two uplinks, a couple of shared resources like a SATA port or um, some other stuff. And PC, yeah, I, PC saw, I saw something uh, also for a machine learning board, I believe. There are two PCIe slots, um, also mini PCIe slots, on the board, one is assigned to slot one, one is assigned to slot two. On slot three, you have two SATA ports. On slot four, I think you don't have anything else. Hmm. But, and this is where it starts to become fun, attached also to every uh, slot, there is an NVMe drive. So there is an extra PCIe four-lane connection to the slot and the slot is being routed to the back and at the back of the board or on the side of the board if you're really picky there are four nvme slots one for each each compute slot and you can add the nvme drives to that the advantage is that you can assign this nvme drive to the compute module in the compute slot however uh oh and this is the bot. And everyone who is familiar with uh, the Raspberry Pi compute modules or Raspberry Pi in general know that they do not have that much PCIe Express lanes. I think they only have two in the latest version and maybe the Pi 5, which I have not looked at yet, has more, but I have to uh, research that. But... The folks at uh, at Turing decided, you know what, we can also design a compute module for this. And so they did. It's called the RK1. And the RK1 uh, has a very, very, very powerful uh, ARM chip on board. It's a uh, rock chip. And this thing is roughly four times the performance of a Raspberry Pi compute module 4. But it also can attach to all those PCIe PCIe lanes. So this means that to each compute module, I can actually assign an NVMe drive, which is very, very cool, because now I have very fast storage attached to a pretty fast CPU. And the best thing about it is if you look at the power consumption, I now have two compute modules in there and two NVMe drives. Each compute module has eight cores and eight gigs of RAM. And I think that thing consumes about 20 watts. Oh, wow. That's it. Nice. So we're not going to talk about enterprise tech, but what are you going to do with that much power in your house? Well, (laughs) and now going back to the previous topic, with the two cameras that are in the back of my garden doing uh, wildlife recording. The network video recorder from Ubiquiti does not have any 
animal detection, at least not on the old cameras anyway. It does have, I think, people detection and car detection and package detection, but I don't think it has any animal detection at all. Well, it, it detects my cats, but it's more the the, the presence movement. detection, but it, it doesn't show that's a cat. Exactly. So what I did, and this is still a work in progress, obviously, what I did is I uh, deployed Frigate on one of the compute modules and attached an NVMe drive to that compute module. Oh, what I also should add to that is every compute module also has 32 gigs of eMMC storage on board. So what you do is... Next to the NVMe, yeah. So what you do uh, to to make it work is you download an image from well, the guys at uh, at Turing Pi actually baked a um, Ubuntu twenty two dot twenty two oh four image with I think even a firmware update for the uh, RK one, um, and you just flash that into the eMMC module, and once that's done, you basically through the uh, baseboard management con- controller which it also has for management of the complete Turing board, you just click on power on slot one and you just, you watch the board, you see pop the, the, the LED pop on and the, the fan on the uh, heatsink starts to spin. And a couple of seconds later, you see the first output on the HDMI output, which slot one also has slot two, uh, three and four do not, but Slot 1 does have an HDMI output, so this is very nice because you can then see what's going on. Yeah. And this is amazing. Right? You just you click in, in this interface and it, you see the light pop on and then seconds later you see the, the Ubuntu uh, boot uh, screens pass by on the, on the screen. So that's, uh, that's really wonderful. <laughs> um, so I installed Docker and Docker Compose on it and uh, deployed Frigate on it. So Frigate currently is running on a CPU, which is not a supported configuration. Yes, I'm aware. Everyone who's familiar with Frigate or a few people themselves. Uh, it, it, is, it is supported. It's not recommended. It's not recommended, no. Um, but um, actually, it's running pretty good. And uh, I attached three cameras to it. And the uh, up to now, uh, well, I do, we do have a, a couple of false positives. But in general, it's working pretty, pretty well. If I do have uh, a request to the folks from from Frigate, I'd like to have squirrel and hedgehog detection, please. <laughs> squirrel and hedgehog. That would be amazing. Yeah, that yeah. would really make my day. Yeah, I mean, polecat, uh, please. <laughs> sorry, what what kind? Polecat. Oh, polecat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew n- normal cats. They do because I'm yes. working on something similar. Um, we use the detection the the presence and motion detection for the door camera, also a a ubiquity thing. Um, And our cats trained us well enough that if they sit there, they let us know that they want to go in. So every time something motion detected there, it's being shown on on our television and we have to get up and go to the door. But when a spider crawls before the camera it's also detected as motion so yeah that's that, that's a bit good. annoying so uh, i i know for sure that cats are detected sometimes it thinks that we got a car in our back garden but um or in our backyard so, 
It, that, that sounds in interesting. <laughs> yeah, there's a table, there's a chair, and sometimes the eyes of the cat, but the system thinks that it's a car. Go figure. Maybe because of the the, the cat's yeah, the headlights eyes, of light the cat. up in the dark <laughs> and it thinks that it is yeah. the car's headlights or something. Yeah. yeah. But actually, it would be a good idea that it also detects uh, things like a polecat and, and squirrels. I also it does detect birds very effectively. That oh, works okay. wonders. Yeah. That, yeah. So that that definitely is is functioning. But um, yeah, we had some. Uh, uh, we've got a uh, uh, what's it called? A bird feeder mounted upon two uh, old, well, tree parts and. It mistake that it mistook that for a human being. I don't know how it made that assumption, but yeah, it, it looked like a stick figure. It it could be, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm afraid uh, my doorbell is going to ring. Okay, why is that? You ordered something. That's going to be a whole other topic. What's in the box? Something from my wife. Uh, okay. Well, then I'm going to talk on and on and on and on. Well, now you heard us what what we did with uh, with our weekend and our week. And you know something about our Wi-Fi configuration. Um, so that, that will be it for this week because Alex will be off for a while. Um, oh, he's already back. I was telling everybody that you were going to be back for a while, gone for a while. Eh, man, that English. Misschien moet je dit stuk er even uitknippen. Tot zover ging het nog redelijk goed. Hij komt niet meer terug, dus hij is nou weg. Oh, oké. Okay. Ik, ik wil net zeggen, anders moeten we straks ook nog... What's in the box? So cool stuff, Wi-Fi Turing Pi 2. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it because I saw the price of the modules and the price of the board, but it would be a nice addition to a smart home. It is, yeah, and it's really, really power efficient. But well, the advantage is that I didn't pay full price for it. Uh, yeah. I think the the cheapest compute module, which is actually the, uh, I've got two of them, they, they are already very powerful and very useful. I think they're about one hundred fifty bucks each. Oh, that that's doable. And uh, so that's the eight gig, eight core version, and then the board is two seventy or two eighty. Yeah, I'm gonna put a link uh, in, into the show notes for uh, for the website. Yeah, turnpie.com. Tur yeah, um, it's it's very interesting if you want to uh, uh, tinker around with uh, stuff like Docker or Kubernetes or uh, anything that runs on an ARM CPU. This is definitely your cup of tea. Nice. With that, I think we're all through. Other than do you have any tips for the listeners today? Do I? I don't think I do. You, no, I don't think you do as well because it's not in the, in the notes. 
I was actually looking at the notes. And, mm, I don't think I ended anything this this week. Yeah. But you do. I did. I did. So what's so, your tip? Well, you know that I'm not that organized. So I download a lot of stuff. And with 3D printing, you can download a lot of stuff on Thanks, Thingiverse, 3D Printing Academy, whatever. You can also create your own. You can also create your own, correct? Um, that will so, generate even even more. <laughs> yeah, and then it's an, a version addition to that, and you download it, something that you already downloaded. Yep. So I tried finding something that could manage that um, <clears throat> mess. Um, and I found something. Uh, I found two tools, RN3D. Um, interesting, but it was too hard for me. No, that that's not not correct. It's it was not obvious at first what I had to do. So it's it's a great system, but you have to do a lot of steps. Um, and the other one was STL Vault, and unfortunately. There hasn't been any activity on the uh, GitHub uh, page anymore since 2020. Oh. oh. But uh, I believe the Discord server is very live and active at the moment uh, around this product. And the f great thing of it is that it, I let it loose on my downloads folder and my network folder, and it finds only the STL files. Mm. Even though my download folder is full of other things, Crap. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. Other things, um, STL Vault ignores them and only shows the STLs that, or actually the the STL files. But does it also uh, pull them in and then create a a sort of a library, or do you have to do that yourself? Um, it automatically pulls it in. You can tag oh, it. Cool. You can um, view it uh, in, in 3D. So uh, oh, turn like. it around and stuff like that. So it's it's really cool. Like I said, it's it's not in uh, active development anymore since uh, 2020. That's a bit uh, that's yeah, too bad. But yeah. on the other hand, it still works and it. It's available on Windows and Mac. Uh, I use it on a Mac. And really, I, I can find my shit now. So right. That was I was under the impression that it was, it was a uh, um, something in, inside of a Docker container or something because you are very much into Docker containers. Yeah, I, I was looking for something like that, but this was a downloadable. It's based on a Unity uh, uh, framework. It's right. It looks good, and it works. It doesn't do a lot, but it works, and it it actually does that what I wanted to do. Let let me find my files and prevent me from downloading it again and again and again and again. Yeah, what I specifically hate is those, you know, those projects that come in in a lot of different files or twos, threes, fours. Like like uh, the rocket that you see behind me, if you're watching, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is I think ten or twelve different parts that you need to print, and I think maybe even more. Yeah. And you know, keeping track of all those, you know, oh, this this is, is supposed to be with that, and and together they form something. Um, yeah. 
I, I have a hard time yeah. keeping track of that. And I've got a couple of them. I printed, I think it's one of the most popular ones on, on um, Thingiverse, the, the planter with the, the, um, the plant insert. Yeah. Uh, that, first of all, that thing is amazing. Uh, I've, I've printed four or five of those and they are superb. They are really good. Um, the large one isn't so isn't so much very good, but the 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 medium sized one is amazing. Uh, but it comes in two parts, and uh, I scaled up the one, and then I got lost uh, got lost track of the second. Um, and I was like, okay, uh, I, now I've printed the outside, but I need to print the inside, but I can't find the STL file anymore. Oh my! So well. Yeah. Uh, I think STL Vault is something for you then. Exactly. There you go, right? That would be the ideal use case. Yeah. And in between lines, I heard a tip for listeners. The planter from Thingiverse. It's actually on the most downloaded, uh, one of the most downloaded objects from Thingiverse. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm going to put a link in the show notes when I get it from you. If I get it from you. Uh, you will get it from me. Okay. Thank you. Well, with that, I think we uh, we can end this episode. If you have any questions, please let us know. And like all wannabe uh, socialites and influencers, ring that bell, uh, um, uh, subscribe. And with that, have a great weekend. See you next time. Bye. Ooh.